0: This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Independent news commentary with a California perspective, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 9, Episode 18 The Newsome Recall Election. In conversation with Laurel Rosenhall, political reporter with Cal Matters. As part of our ongoing coverage of the historic recall election of Governor Gavin Newsom. We're joined today by Laurel Rosenhall with the Sacramento-based CalMatters. We have less than three weeks to go until the election, which is on September 14th, and it seems to be heating up at this point. So at this point, I'd like to welcome back our guest, Laurel Rosenhall and Laurel, Once again, thank you for joining us. This is a repeat performance. Would love to have your take on where we stand less than three weeks before this historic vote.
1: Thanks, Jim. Happy to be here. Yeah, the the polls are showing this race is closer than many people thought it would be, certainly closer than Gavin Newsom would like it to be. You know, the real main thing that affects the polling is just the question of how many people vote. The, The biggest issue is that the people who are the most likely to vote at this point, who are the most tuned in and excited about this election, are those who want to remove Newsom and the governor's challenge is to really invigorate and excite the his supporters who would who who he wants to come and and vote no. Until now there really hasn't been much enthusiasm on the left. People have either been unaware that this recall is happening or thought that it would be impossible for Newsom to lose because California is of course such a heavily democratic state. So the governor is working really hard right now to make people aware that the recall is happening and frankly, kind of scare people into voting.
0: You know, we were before we came on the air, we were talking a little bit about his campaign. And the only campaign message that I've really heard is, you know, stop the Republican recall rather than for him to. I don't think that's a very effective message, to tell you the truth, and that's certainly not going to fire up. I don't think it's going to fire up the Democratic voters that he's that he's concerned won't show up at the polls. Why do you think he hasn't enumerated what his accomplishments have been for the last two and a half years as governor? You know, I accomplished one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever his accomplishments were, and to then round it out by saying, and I've still got much work to do. That's why, you know, you can't recall me. That's why I want to keep my job. What's wrong with his campaign and, and why that and that that very weak message?
1: Well, Donald Trump is really unpopular in California and the Republican Party is very small here. So I think he's going with, a, you know, an oppositional message because it's really easy for people to understand. Policy is complicated. Policy in a pandemic is extra complicated. And I think that the governor is really just trying to boil this down to its simplest elements and try to make the, the recall kind of a, a boogeyman in the way that, you know, that, that he, he wants to campaign against Trump because that's a, that's a, that's a race that he can win. Complicating the partisan politics here or overly emphasizing the policy, I think that while that could persuade some voters, it it might going for firing up his Democratic base. And if he can get people to vote, um, if he can get Californians to vote, in the numbers that they normally do in a normal election, then he can win because the vote, the electorate is overwhelmingly Democratic. So he's pumping out a highly partisan message as a way to, to motivate those voters, those base voters.
0: I understand that, but it doesn't seem to be working because the Democrats seem to be still very lukewarm as you said, most people don't realize there's an election coming up in less than three weeks, number one. And number two, the real fire in the belly is on the part of the the Republicans, is on the part of the people who want to recall him. And there seems to be on the part of the Democrats, who should be his natural supporters, they seem to be either A, unaware that there's a recall election going on, or not especially enthused about going out to vote for him.
1: Yeah, and that's the big question is how much, you know, he'll be able to change that energy in the next couple weeks. I do think the, you know, the, the more that he focuses on some of the most extreme candidates that are trying to replace him, that that'll help, you know, Vice President Kamala Harris is coming to California later this week to campaign with him. That'll generate a lot of obviously news coverage and, you know, awareness, public awareness that the, that the, that the election is on and who knows we might even you know see president biden before but out here before september 14th so the energy is building through like that all along the energy has been completely on the right the the folks on the left are gearing up and trying to do everything they can obviously labor unions have a huge ground game and they're you know they're out knocking on doors trying to get people to vote no on the recall and so it'll the, the question is just kind of how much does all of that move the needle in the next couple weeks
0: what do the polls show at this point
1: well, it's it's a lot closer than than you'd think it would be. I mean, Newsom still has the advantage overall. I'm looking at the at polling average that the folks at 538 have compiled. Yes. So, overall, you know, they're showing that the the advantage is on the side of Newsom. He's up 3 points on the side of keeping him in office when when they average together. Yeah, I'm looking at the averages on five the 538 website where they compile all the different polls together. Mm-hmm. And Newsom still has the advantage, but the latest date shows that he's really only up by about a little over one point in terms of those who want to keep newsom in office as opposed to those who want to remove which is a lot closer than it was earlier this summer when polls were showing he was up by like you know so things are are close i think that the one of the real surprises and interesting things that that came out in the polls was there was a poll late last month that showed that the majority of latino voters wanted to vote for the recall in other words they were against newsom now that was one poll other polls have shown Latino voters in favor of keeping Newsom. That is no on the recall. But the, the Latinos make up a very large share of our electorate, and they really could have a very de- decisive role in how this election goes. To the extent that that they're feeling, you know, motivated to throw Newsom out of office, that's a huge win for Republicans who are behind the recall and you know don't always win the majority of of Latino votes in California.
0: What is Newsom doing to target the Latino vote? Because as you say It's more, it's almost 30% of registered voters. Latinos represent about 39% of the total population in California, but they represent about 28%, I think, of registered voters. So 28, 30% approximately registered voters in California are Latino. What is he doing specifically to talk to that demographic to make sure they get out and vote? Because the Latino community in particular has been, they've really borne the brunt of the COVID pandemic, loss of jobs, loss of wages, to say nothing of high caseloads in the Central Valley, a high fatality rate. Their kids have been out of school for a year. They have been the their kids, by staying at home, have been very poorly served with the distance learning. In fact, of all the different ethnic groups, they're probably the worst served with distant learning, because distant learning really only works when you have a parent who's at home kind of helping kids with distance learning. So, I mean, the Latino community has a lot of gripes, I would say, against Newsom. So what is he doing to reach out to them, and to turn that situation around to improve those numbers with Latinos?
1: So it's important to start off by saying both sides are reaching out to the Latino community. Um, and, And as far as for Newsom, you know, he's been all over the state. He was at a Latino community center in Los Angeles with some prominent labor leaders talking about his huge economic stimulus plan that he passed his budget that included $600 stimulus payments for most California families included grants for small businesses included rent relief for people who are fell behind on their rent during the pandemic even even aid to help people pay their utilities who who couldn't pay their you know water or electricity bills during the pandemic uh, he was in Fresno at a, a health clinic in Fresno where he signed a bill to expand government subsidized healthcare, the Medi Cal health insurance program to cover undocumented immigrants starting at age 50. That was a massive expansion. Of government health care and something that the Latino caucus in the legislature had been advocating for for years. And of course, he has Spanish language ads on television, including one, a new one featuring the new United States Senator Alex Padilla, who Newsom appointed to fill Kamala Harris's seat. Padilla's, you know, on TV speaking straight to the camera in Spanish about about the need to stop the the Trump Republicans and vote no on the recalls. Newsom is is doing what he can. And the other side is too. all they the republicans and and the pro recall movement also have a latino out, outreach strategy and also are doing television ads in spanish
0: mm-hmm. while we're on the subject of polls i saw a poll by david binder and associates of course here in san francisco david binder and is very well known, and uh, of course, he's not just a San Francisco pollster, but he's also statewide and also nationwide. One of the parts of that poll asked about the direction of California, and by a margin, 54% said that California was headed in the wrong direction, 36% said that we were doing okay. That general malaise or disgruntlement on the part of the rank-and-file average californian due to a lot of things gas at 4.69 a gallon we've got you know the reemergence of the mask mandate we've got the reemergence of the delta variant i mean there are a lot of things that are coming together that that are contributing to that 54% showing that we're headed in the wrong direction is that Do you think that should be a cause for concern for the governor?
1: Yes, there's no doubt that governing in this pandemic is not anything anyone could have planned for. I think that there's a lot going on that is, yes, it is cause for concern for uh, the governor. And um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of really serious problems in our state and he's aware of that pandemic in many regards is another layer and in some ways it's a magnifier obviously we already had problems related to wildfires and and, and you know the natural conditions like that but then you layer on top of it the things that the pandemic has highlighted that have become exacerbated, you know, in the, in the last year and a half. Homelessness, state of public education, the, the economic situation, the economic divide has, you know, become exacerbated in this pandemic where we've had people who um, are at the lower end of the income spectrum are the ones who have been hurt the most by job losses while wealthy people have continued to make a lot of money on the stock market and been able to pivot and work from homes, There's no doubt that Californians are are experiencing a lot of kind of dramatic realities and Newsom's trying to show that he's addressing them. You know, this recall will really will be the test to see how much people hold him at fault for many of these challenging circumstances that that we're
0: all living. One final thought and question about his campaign before we move on to the, the other candidates who are running to replace him. You mentioned that Vice President Harris is going to campaign for him here in California later this week, and possibly President Biden may campaign for him. But given the unpopularity of the president, you know, his Popularity numbers fell 7% overnight as a result of the Kabul, Afghanistan uh, debacle. And another poll showed that Vice President Harris was, by over 52%, people who were polled felt that she was unfit for office. Do you think the president, the president and the vice president campaigning for the governor with those awful numbers for both of them, do you think they're going to help him in this uh, in recall?
1: Well, I think it's a good question that you're asking, and I think that the main asset that they bring is just that it generates news coverage and that generates public awareness that the election is happening. So to the extent that this campaign is all about turnout... If Newsom can turn out California voters, then he'll probably survive the recall. Then just having high-profile people like the president and the vice president come to California can just generate more awareness that the recall is happening.
0: Let's come back to the, uh, to the candidates. Now, Larry Elder seems to be leading the pack. And he's uh, the latest polls that I saw show him garnering in the low 20% range. And then followed by quite a ways back, John Cox and then uh, Kevin Faulkner. And then, of course, we have the the sole Democrat who is running Pafrath, I think is his name. Let's talk about the candidates, because Larry Elder, of course, I, I guess is much better known in Southern California because of his conservative talk show, not as well known in Northern California. But uh, the Newsom campaign is painting Larry Elder to be a boogeyman. What is, uh, what's your, what's your take on that, on that strategy? Is that something that's going to, is that something that's going to stick? Is he a boogeyman?
1: Larry Elder is a conservative talk radio host who has a lot of views that many Californians would disagree with. So to that extent, it does help Newsom again, position himself against someone and kind of make this seem more like a Republican attack. Elder has been on the air for decades. His show is now nationally syndicated. He's written books. He has very conservative views on race relations. He's, you know, against affirmative action and has generally said that he thinks that progressives are to blame racism and systemic racism on as the fault of too many problems. He is African American so for many people the his he is African American so his views are contrarian for many in the black community. I actually did an event Yesterday with a bunch of black leaders who were specifically targeting and calling out Larry Elder saying, you know, he doesn't represent black voters. He doesn't represent the black community. Elder has a lot of libertarian views. And he has said things like he thinks, you know, there should be no minimum wage. He thinks there should be no laws that that permit employers to ask about a woman's you know, plans to have children if she's applying for a job. He has a lot of sort of like small government libertarian views. Mm. And then he also is very tied in with the Donald Trump ecosystem. Larry Elder has known Stephen Miller for a long time. When Stephen Miller was in high school, he was a guest on Larry Elder's Radio show repeatedly, huh. and they develop a friendship over the years. He, he is probably one of the most conservative of the candidates, kind of more on the libertarian conservative side of things. We've seen him sort of campaigning in ways... In many ways, similar to Donald Trump, he's mm-hmm. refused to participate in any of the debates. He's attacked the media tremendously. He has a major, major following. That is probably the most important thing for people to realize. He got into the race very late and he was able within a few weeks to raise millions of dollars more than the the other candidates who had been in the race a lot longer than him. So he does have a big following.
0: Now, John Cox, who ran against Gavin Newsom a couple of years ago, John Cox really seems to be fading at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can't say that that's really shocking. He lost to Newsom in 2018 by historic proportions. It was about a two-to-one blowout. Mm -hmm. And he's almost entirely self-funded his own campaign. So to the extent he has quarters, it's hard to see that in the campaign finance filings. He's also chosen a strategy this time around that seems to be just more about getting attention than sort of making substantive announcements. He's been campaigning. He began the campaign running around the state with a huge bear. He wanted to draw attention to the issue of homelessness. So he traveled around the state with an enormous ball of garbage. I mean, he's just doing some campaign Mm -hmm. stunts that make it hard to take him very seriously.
0: Now, what about Kevin Faulkner, the former mayor of San Diego? He hasn't gotten much traction either, has he?
1: He's not polling very high at all, but he is now just kind of starting to message himself to Democrats and independents and sort of position himself as this kind of responsible, boring politician, middle of the road, kind of moderate politician. Earlier in his political career was kind of an anti-Trump Republican, but he changed and supported Trump in 2020. Conservatives don't love him because he was anti-Trump. Moderates don't love him because he sort of became in favor of Trump. So he's a little bit betwixt in between with his own party in that regard. He does often point out that he was the Republican governor in a Democratic city. San Diego has a majority Democratic city council. Mm. He was able to work with them. And he is definitely looking to pick up votes from, you know, centrist voters who, who might be registered, you know, with either party, but are kind of more moderates. I will point out that the Los Angeles Times did endorse voting for him. It was a little bit of a hold-your-nose-and-vote-for-him kind of endorsement. It wasn't Mm -hmm. the most full-throated endorsement, but the LA Times editorial board basically said... They think that people should vote no on the recall, but vote for Faulkner as a sort of insurance plan in case the, the recall passes.
0: Well, and that's worth something, an endorsement from the L.A. Times. So that's, yeah. that's bound to help them. Now, what about Caitlyn Jenner? I had heard a few weeks ago that she was heading off to Australia for for some TV program, a survival reality uh-huh. program down in Australia. Is she back? Is she still in the campaign? Is she even polling at all?
1: She is back. She's now doing campaign appearances in California. She's not pulling very high, but she is using her celebrity to get on TV and do interviews and continue the campaign. Her name is on the ballot. You know, it'll be really interesting to see where that one lands. That definitely does seem like more like a just publicity driven kind of effort as opposed to any, any kind of likely win. But this is California, so got to have a reality TV star on the ballot.
0: <laughs> of course. Of course. Now, the sole Democrat is a fellow by the name of Path Paffrath, Path, and he's polling at about 9%. What's up, who What's is he and what's up with him?
1: Sure. Yeah, you're talking about Kevin Paffrath. And just to be really clear— He's the only democrat with any name recognition and the only one who's polling in any in any way at all. Technically there are many other democrats on the ballot. Don't forget there's 46 candidates, so a bunch of them are Democrats, a bunch of them are Republicans, and a bunch of them are unaffiliated with either party. But Pafrath is the only Democrat with any name recognition. And the reason why some people have heard of him is because he's a major YouTube personality. He's a 29-year-old real estate investor who developed a huge YouTube following by giving financial real estate investing advice. And he is a Democrat. He's calling himself a JFK-style Democrat, but he has zero experience in elected office or in politics at all. He is out there, you know, campaigning, but he has no support from the Democratic Party or the Democratic establishment in any way. And and he's really using the fan base of his, that he has developed on YouTube as kind of the launch pad for this, for this campaign.
0: I see. Is there, among those 46 candidates, is there anyone else that you'd like to mention at this point who deserves a uh, maybe perhaps a bit of a dark horse, somebody who might do a little bit better than uh, than expected at this point?
1: Um there is a Republican assemblyman named Tevin Kiley who's from the suburbs of Sacramento. He is going to be on the debate stage and and has been in in many of the debates. He's not pulling super high, but he is an energetic young Republican politician who really became kind of the voice of the anti newsom movement in the Capitol. He sued the governor over his use of emergency executive authority during the pandemic emergency. And he has attracted a big following from recall supporters. Unclear if it'll be, you know, enough to finish. It doesn't look like he's going to finish at the top, but he's in the, he's in the top handful.
0: I see. Well, Laurel in the remaining couple of minutes left in the podcast. Are there any other thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners in this somewhat unpredictable and unexpectedly close recall election? Any closing thoughts you'd like to share with our with our listeners or candidates they should watch for over the next uh, two and a half weeks?
1: Yeah, I think the main thing that I just want people to remember is that there's a lot of misinformation out there about whether people can vote on both questions on the ballot. And so it's just really important for people to have the facts. There are two questions on this ballot. The first one is a yes-no question. Do you want to recall the governor? If you want to keep the governor in office, you have to vote no. If you want to throw Newsom out of office, you vote yes. The second question is, who do you want to replace him? And on that question, there are going to be 46 names on your ballot. Gavin Newsom is not one of them. Mm -hmm. You can pick one of those 46 people regardless of how you answered question number one. So the two questions are, are independent of each other. Everyone can answer either question or both questions. If you pick a candidate that doesn't change your answer on the first question. Newsom is asking voters to only vote no and skip the picking of a candidate. If you do that, that means that the people and the recall is successful, that means the voters who choose the winner is going to be a very small segment of the voters. People should just keep in mind that, you know, you have the power to vote on both questions if you want to, or only vote on one of them if you want to.
0: I see. Well, nothing about California politics is ever easy or straightforward, and (laughs) and you know that better than I, Laurel.
1: Yeah. And I guess my final thing would just be a little plug that um, for people who are feeling confused, check out CalMatters, calmatters calmatters.org. We have a really robust election guide. We've interviewed many of these candidates. We are talking to lots of key voters. We have presented all kinds of information, both assessing Newsom's record and explaining who the candidates are and helping you walk through the basics of how to fill out your ballot, not telling you who to vote for, but just giving you the mechanics of, of of how to get make sure your vote counts. And we have a really wonderful, robust kind of follow the money tracker that explains where the donations are coming from on both sides. So check out calmatters.org and look across the, the bar at the top where we have a Newsom recall election watch.
0: Well, listen, Laurel, I want to thank you very much for giving us a, a very informed and detailed update and where to watch and what to watch. And listeners, you heard it directly from Laurel. Check out calmatters.org. It seems as though that is a a source of independent and verified information for you in this somewhat confusing, topsy-turvy California recall election. So once again, Laurel, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. And for my listeners, please take a moment to visit my website to subscribe to the podcast, www.thesanfranciscoexperiencepodcast.com. It's free to do so. And by subscribing, all future episodes will come directly to your inbox. You can also listen to the previous 180 shows. You can read my book, peruse my blog, send me an email, or leave a comment. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, reporting to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.